A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it out. It was that golden moment because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. This episode is brought to you by Shutterstock.com. With over 39 million high-quality stock images, Shutterstock helps take your creative projects to the next level. New accounts will receive 20% off any image order. Just go to Shutterstock.com and use offer code COLLIDER814. This week's story is from Erica Engelhaupt. The story was recorded in August 2014 at Littlefield in Brooklyn. So the trouble started right away. I was moving from Boulder, Colorado to Washington, D.C., and my boyfriend Jay and I were going to drive and make a little road trip of it. But as soon as the movers left with all my stuff, I realized I couldn't find my wallet anywhere. I had no driver's license, so we had to go to the DMV and get a temporary driver's license and go get a temporary ATM card. So it's late afternoon by the time we even hit the road. So we get in my Volkswagen Golf. Jay takes the first leg of driving. And as soon as we get east of Denver, the road just opens up. We're out on the plains, and there's no trees, no nothing. I guess that's why they call it the plains. And so it's great. There's no traffic, and we're driving along. We kind of notice that... Every now and then we'd pass a big truck, like a big rig. And they were all going really slow. And Jay said, yeah, well, the moving guys said that diesel fuel's really expensive right now, so probably they're going really slow, you know, to conserve on fuel. And I thought, also, it's really windy out, and probably those big trucks, you know, just physics, like they get pushed around by the wind, and so they're probably going slow for that too. And, and we didn't want, really want to go real fast, so, so Jay sets the cruise control on 75, and we're just cruising along. We crank up the music, we've got the eagles on, we're taking it easy, it's great. <laughs> and then after a little while, we see these red and blue lights behind us in the distance. And I say to Jay, that's not for us, right? He says, no, it can't be. I've got the cruise control set on 75, and that's the speed limit. So we keep going, and then the lights kind of slowly keep getting closer. And finally, there's a state trooper right up in our grill. So Jay pulls over, and the state trooper gets out, and he comes around to the the driver's side door, and he says to Jay, sir, get out of the car. And he's really serious, and so Jay does, and he takes Jay around to the back of the car. And I'm I'm watching all this in like that little makeup mirror up there. And and then all of a sudden I hear Jay say kinda kinda loud, he says, Something's wrong. And I look up and all of a sudden Jay has his hands behind his back and he's leaning against the front of the car or the back of the car and He's putting handcuffs on my boyfriend. And then he's taking them and walking them around to the, 
police car, and he's putting him in the car, and he puts his hand on Jay's head as he puts him in the car, just like they do on cops. That's like a real thing that they do. And I'm really starting to get freaked out at this point. What's going on? And the state trooper comes around to my door, and I put my window down, and and he says, ma'am, what's going on here? And I said, you're going to have to tell me. I don't know what's going on here. You're just arresting my boyfriend. And he said, ma'am, do you know how fast you were going? And I said, yeah. And I was a little relieved because actually I did know this exactly. We had set the cruise control. I said, we were going exactly 75, cruise control. He said, ma'am, I clocked you on my radar going 113 miles per hour. And I said, something's wrong. (laughs) And he said, in the state of Colorado, if you're going more than 100 miles per hour, that is an automatic arrest. I am going to have to take your boyfriend in. So I followed him back to the station, and we get to this little police station in Burlington, Colorado. It's this tiny little town. It's got a tiny little police station. And I can see Jay through this little window, like one of those little windows with the chicken wire embedded in it. And they're having him empty his pockets and take off his shoes, and they're fingerprinting him. And I've never seen him like this before. They're treating him like a criminal. And I just want to say, no, you've got the wrong guy. He's a really nice guy. He's a biologist. He's a, he's a do-gooder. He works at a nonprofit. I mean, okay, he, he does ride motorcycles, but like, like vintage BMWs. So I'm just shocked by this. And I say, you know, he's, not, he's, he's just not a bad boy type. Although I will admit, when they're taking his fingerprints, it's maybe like a little hot. <laughs> so they book him, and I go up to the front desk, and I, I say to the woman there, um, so now what, what happens? What do, I, what do I do now? And she said, well, your boyfriend's under arrest for reckless driving, and the bond is $1,100, and that's cash only. And I said, but I don't have my wallet. All I have is a temporary ATM card and a driver's license that doesn't even have a photo on it. And I have no access to any other cash. So I ask her, "Um, could you get my boyfriend's ATM card too? And she starts to say, you know, "Uh, honey, I don't think you can really do that. And and then I think at some point she can see my eyes and she she sees that I'm probably about to cry. And she says, "Let let me see what I can do. She goes in the back and sure enough, she comes out with an ATM card and a PIN number, and, and I set off. And I'm driving all over this little two-horse town. I hit ATMs everywhere. I hit the Safeway. I hit the Dollar General. And I'm afraid to take out too much at any one time because I don't know what the daily limit is. And I don't want one of those security alerts where it sucks your card right back into the ATM and won't give it back. So eventually, I kind of hit enough ATMs, and I round up all the money. I go back to the police station, and I bail out my man. And we get back in the Volkswagen Golf, and we look at each other, and I say, let's get the fuck out of here. 
And we did. Very slowly. We didn't stop until we got across the Kansas border to a motel. Then the next day, the reality started to set in. Jay was facing a criminal charge. It was a class two misdemeanor, but in addition to a fine, the penalty could include up to 90 days in jail. Like actual jail in Colorado, in Kit Carson County. And so we're picturing kind of Old West, hanging judge kind of situation. And Jay's worried, meanwhile, because he's thinking, I could have a criminal record that could follow me around forever. So our only chance for getting out of this is to prove that the speedometer was broken. We couldn't tell how fast we were going. So luckily, we're scientists, so we can do this experiment. (laughs) So we get a watch, and we start using the mile markers on the highway. And Jay takes the car up to 50 miles an hour on the speedometer, sets the cruise control, keep it even, and I time how long it takes us to drive exactly two miles on the mile markers. And at 50 miles an hour to go two miles, it should take two minutes and 24 seconds. And it does. The speedometer's right on. Oh. So we try it again a little faster. Jay takes it up to 54 on the speedometer. And I time it again. And this time it takes two minutes exactly. That means, wait, we're going two miles in two minutes, mile a minute, 60 miles an hour, not 54, like the speedometer said. So it's looking up. So we go a little faster, and at 60 miles an hour on the speedometer, we're actually going 69. And at 64 on the speedometer, we're going 82. Now I have my laptop with me, so I put all the data in Excel, as one does, and I made a chart. This is my chart, and as you can see clearly from the data, the speedometer is is correct up until about 50 miles per hour, and then it starts to get more and more incorrect the faster you go. I fit an exponential curve to the data. It fit perfectly. R squared, 0.997. It is the best data set I've ever had. So we had at least this one small victory. So the next thing is, you know, we get back to to D.C. And I have to take the car into the dealer, and I need them to prove, to say officially, that the speedometer is broken. And they take it out, and they're driving it, and they keep saying, lady, there's nothing wrong with this car. And I keep telling them, no, you're just not driving it fast enough. Eventually, they get some speed demon to go out there, really lay into it, and he says, yeah, something's wrong with the speedometer, all right. They replace it. They give me my note saying that it's broken. So Jay's got the note now. He's got the note. He's got his chart. He has to fly back to Colorado for the hearing, Because otherwise, they'll issue a warrant for his arrest, by the way. So he goes back for the hearing. 
he t- takes the note and he takes the chart and gives it to the prosecutor. And the prosecutor says, well, that's all great, but you know, the judge doesn't really take very kindly to excuses. You should just be apologetic and be deferential. It's not really a great sign. So Jay goes into the courtroom and he, he gives the judge the note and the chart and the judge kind of glances at the chart and he says, even if your speedometer was broken, I can't believe that you didn't know you were going 113 miles an hour. I mean, if you're going that fast, you can tell, you can feel it. And all Jay could say was, look, I was, I was in an unfamiliar car uh, there were no trees whizzing by on the plains to tell us how fast we were going, and I, I, I trusted the speedometer. And he was, he was apologetic. He said, you know, I'm really sorry. It was a really dumb mistake. I should have been paying more attention, and I shouldn't have just blindly put my faith in the speedometer. And the judge dropped the criminal charge. He let him off with just a fine, no criminal record. So it was a big success. Jay was a free man. <laughs> but something still kind of bothered me a little bit about the whole thing. I mean, we had, yes, we had demonstrated the phenomenon, but we had not explained the mechanism. <laughs> so I tried calling the car talk guys, you know, click and clack from NPR. And they never called me back. I don't think they knew. I did my own research on the internet, and I read a whole lot of stuff about electronic sensors and final drivetrain gears. I still don't know what the hell was wrong with the thing. Maybe I'll never know. But what I did learn was that I can't trust my own brain. Between the two of us, Jay and I had 25 years of experience in science, three master's degrees, and a PhD, and still we convinced ourselves that we weren't going fast, the trucks were going slow. (laughs) Also, it wasn't windy, that was just the car being buffeted at really high speed. (laughs) It was a classic example of confirmation bias. We... We accepted all of the data that fit our hypothesis, and we rejected all of the data that didn't. So basically, we were both idiots. We got married last June. That was Erica Engelhaupt. Erica is a science writer and editor, and is currently the online science editor at National Geographic. She was most recently a deputy managing editor at Science News Magazine, where she started her blog, Gory Details, which covers all that is creepy, bizarre, or otherwise strangely fascinating in science. Before becoming a writer, she had lots of adventures in biochemistry, many of which involved wearing hip waders in Louisiana swamps. This episode was supported by Shutterstock. At Shutterstock.com, you'll find the perfect image or video for your next creative project. You can choose from over 39 million high-quality stock photos, illustrations, vectors, and video clips. Shutterstock's professional curators review each image individually for content and quality before adding it to the library, and they add over 250,000 images every week. With flexible pricing, Shutterstock makes it easy to find and share your images. They also have new tools to organize and search by palette, people, and spectrum. 
They also have a wide range of science-related images. I just found several lovely examples of geologic strata for, you know, the opposite of speeding. You can try Shutterstock.com today for signing up for a free account. Once you decide to purchase, use offer code Collider814, that's 814, and new accounts will receive 20% off any image order. That's Shutterstock.com, and for 20% off any image files with a new account, use offer code Collider814. We thank Shutterstock for their support of the Story Collider. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org. We have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. Also, we depend on listeners like you for our support. If you love the podcast, please consider donating at storycollider.org slash donate. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Evelith. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Littlefield for hosting the show and to my speedometers for always working, I think. Well, there's that one time. No, uh, that was probably just me. Thanks for listening. <laughs>